Good morning. Good morning. Excellent. Excellent. I like a bit of interaction. It's good to be with you this morning, and um, it's been a while since we've been around. Um, and obviously, a number of people are away with illness and so on. So we've kind of, um, Gene and I have been, um, as you may know, serving the church in Lowestoft for a season and helping out down there. And um, so next term, we'll be away even more on Sundays. Probably be about two or three Sundays around at King's, um, but the majority of time next term will be given over um, to serving in Lowestoft and also be down in Beckles a little bit as well. So it's really good to be here this morning and to be with you as well. And um, yeah, a mixture of kind of Lowestoft and illness over the past few weeks. We decided to join the COVID club, and um, <laughs> which isn't great, is it? Um, but uh, but it's really good to be here. And uh, you know, the Bible says, doesn't it, when we come together, that um, there's meant to be that. Um, experience of being, uh, being encouraged and being strengthened, yeah? And um, the Bible says in that, sometimes it's through those that share, so through Wayne and, and Dave and, and Debbie who shared this morning, just thank you. I was, who, I was encouraged. Anyone else encouraged this morning? Yeah? Good. That's what's meant to happen when we come together. And also welcome those online. If you're watching online, if you're at home unable to be here because of COVID or other reasons as well, it's really good to be with you uh, as well. So, um, okay, we're in the book of Acts. But first, okay, slogans. How would you define a slogan? All right, let me get, okay, let me, any, any sort of slogan comes to mind. Think of a kind of advertising slogan. What's the one that comes to mind? It's the real thing? What is that? Coke. Of course it is. <laughs> it's a really good one. I remember it. Any other ones? Hmm? Every little helps. Absolutely. And there are other supermarkets that you can shop in as well. Um, just do it. Um, yeah? Nike? Was that what you were thinking of, Dan? That's what you were thinking of. <laughs> I mean, there's all sorts of things. You get um, slogans in politics as well. These catchy, pithy um, statements that are meant to grab our attention and then sort of lead us to a course of action. Um, so like in politics, can anyone think of one from politics from the past couple of years that maybe isn't so great? <laughs> Make America... Again, everyone's like, I don't want to even say it. Look... <laughs> These are slogans. They're meant to catch us and catch us up into something and capture sort of something huge and put it in this sort of one statement as well. And sometimes it's a way of life that these slogans are meant to catch us up into. And there's one here, the T-shirt should come up on here. Here you go. Eat, sleep, rave, repeat. Um, there you go. That's just one that came to my mind, and you'll see why in a, in a moment. It's a kind of a way of life. Yeah, this is what I'm giving my life to. Um, it, Many, many years ago, it is kind of what I gave my life to. But there's another slogan that I want to kind of speak about this morning. Um, and it's this, it's go, speak, plant, repeat. All right, that's the slogan. Go, speak, plant, repeat. And the reason we're going to look at that slogan and use that today is for working our way through this story in the book of Acts, this early history of the church, this expansion of the gospel, um, going out, and a key point, Acts 11, as, as, as new churches get established outside of, of Jerusalem. And, um, and a slogan as well. One other thing I found interesting was that apparently, and um, Jerry, you're like this, maybe know it, that it's uh, Scottish, 
it comes from the Scottish as well for a war cry. You know, going into battle. Apparently, you had a cry out was like a slogan. And um, so again, it's something that galvanizes people into a cause and into action and into something. And in one sense, through the book of Acts, it's meant to catch us up into the mission of God, into action in this world, into the greatest cause in this world. And and if we're going to continue to go from neighbors to nations, the sort of title of our series as we work through Acts, this slogan needs to keep being repeated, as it were, as we move on in the things of God together. So let's read it through. Acts chapter 11. If you've got a Bible, turn it on or open it up to verse 19, and we'll read through a few verses at a time. We're going to sort of step our way through the story. Acts 11, 19. Starts off like this. So those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and to Antioch. So this is the first word in our slogan, is go. They made their way in connection with the persecution that occurred. If you go back to Acts chapter 8, and it talks about this persecution that happened in Jerusalem there, and the, this guy, Saul, or Paul, as we come to know him, was involved in that as a leading Jew, leading authority there, persecuting the early Christians. And it says that they were scattered. And what we learn from this is really, is, is the, a number of things, but unexpected circumstances opened up new opportunities. In fact, un, unexpected and difficult circumstances opened up new opportunities for mission and expansion. And that's important because sometimes life isn't always easy, is it? Where we find ourselves in different situations in life, even with COVID and all that's gone on with that. You know, there were people sort of writing off the church saying, oh, the church is going to not, you know, come through this as it were. Well, just read church history and you'll see what the church has come through in church history. Whether that's, you know, kingdoms that have risen up that have attempted to crush Christianity. And what's arisen is the church. And it's gone on from generation to generation across every culture and nation and people group on the planet. These unexpected circumstances opened up new opportunities for expansion. In fact, Paul, later on, when he was in prison, in, and you read this in the letter of the Philippians, that he's in prison, and then he writes to the Philippians, and he says, hey, I just want you to know, by the way, my circumstances of being imprisoned have actually served to expand the gospel. All right. And so whenever we're, we're in situations that we maybe feel limited or restricted, and, and no doubt we feel that anyway, don't we? If you just think about yourself and, well, what contr- contribution do I have and what, what difference do kind of I make? I feel so limited. Anyone else feel that way? And yet, thankfully, these limiting and difficult circumstances don't hinder God's mission. In fact, God often uses those things, the most unlikely of situations, to expand. I mean, it's like, just look at the cross. That's why I love singing about the cross. I love it that we're singing about that this morning. Through the most unlikely of things, the cross, the crucifixion looked like the end actually came the greatest expansion of the greatest news ever in the world. And that's where our hope is going, even through these difficult things. That's why we have our slogan here, gather, grow, and go, every week. That's, that's what it's, it's a capture of this bigger mission that we're called to together. 
And I'd encourage you as well, if you haven't listened to Dan's preach from, was it two weeks, three weeks ago on scattering or something like that, have a listen to that. Because Dan talked really helpfully there about the cost of going and the sacrifice of it. Because you don't see people so much, and it might be you multiply a life group or maybe with us with multi-site in a new location. And suddenly people that were around are not around anymore. You know, we're feeling the cost of not being around so much here. We miss you guys, and we love this place. It's our home. But there is a cost to it. Friends leave with James and Jess down in Beckles. And, you know, I miss James being around Kings and Jess. But they're down there and, and doing good work there. But it's painful. These things are painful. But it's important that we keep this as the priority of what we do. We go in mission and service. Now, some of those who were scattered through these things, through these, um, this, this persecution that had come, they ended up in Antioch. And Antioch was around, well, I read it, it was 250 miles. I think it's about that north of Jerusalem. Okay, So they ended up quite away from their home um, in a busy, bustling. And Antioch seems to be a real melting pot of cultures. I don't know if you've ever been to a place, well, I guess London's like that, and Norwich is kind of like that maybe, but you just imagine this kind of hustle, bustling place. If you've ever been to anywhere, I guess in the Middle East, or like Morocco or something like that, it's a melting pot of all sorts of people, all sorts of beliefs from people, all sorts of backgrounds. Jews and Greeks and Syrians and Africans and Latin people. And about half a million, big city, Antioch was. It was no small place. And then we carry on reading in verse 19. It says, some of them went down there speaking the word to no one except the Jews. So some of them kept just telling the Jews about Jesus. But, and this is a good but, there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who were Greeks, who came to Antioch, and they began speaking to the Greeks, also preaching the Lord Jesus. This is the next word in our slogan, is speak. Go and speak. Go and tell people about Jesus. And a few things from this. One, they did not rule themselves out. You know, they could have kind of said, well, do you know what? We're not Peter. He can stand up in front of people and speak. We're not James. And Stephen, I mean, look at the courage of Stephen. He was killed for it. And they could have maybe thought to themselves, well, who are we? We can't know one, you know, we're not leaders in the church. And yet I love it that these, these people, as they went, they had a go. They saw what these other people, okay, we'll talk about Jesus, and we'll try and tell people about Jesus, very much in weakness. But we're going to try and point people to Jesus and tell people about him. And they had a go. I love it that this first significant church plant that started didn't start out of a leaders' meeting strategizing about how we're going to start new churches. Isn't that good? It didn't come from some clever leadership strategy that someone had put on a whiteboard, right, Antioch, significant city, 250 miles, 500,000 people, multicultural. I think what we need to do is to send some people there to start a church. The leaders were the last to know. You know, they took initiative. Don't we want to be a church full of people taking initiative where we are in our weakness in our difficulties, in unexpected circumstances, just having a go. That might be telling someone about Jesus. It might be running an alpha course in your life group or something like that. Or it might be, I don't know what it will be. But they went. They were scattered. 
We're scattered through this city and beyond every week in all sorts of places. Wouldn't it be great to hear more, even more reports of what's happening over there and something's happening over there? And, and the leaders are the last to know. There's this beautiful deal going on here. They stepped out in the box. They took initiative. They spoke about Jesus. They talked about the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy of God, of what God is like, what we've been, who we've been celebrating this morning. And then they saw wonderful fruit as well. Why? Well, it says, because the hand of the Lord was with them. God was with them. God, you know, one of my most common prayers I pray is, God, act beyond me. Please, just do something beyond me. <coughs> it's going to be a pretty poor show, isn't it, if all that happens is what we're actually capable of in our kind of natural selves. Who needs God to act beyond them? Who wants God to act beyond them? My goodness, don't we need that? And this is what happened here as they went. They saw amazing fruit, and I bet you they were pretty surprised as well. Let's be praying for that. Let's be expecting that as we speak, very much in our weakness for God's strength and power. In fact, he specializes doing it through weak people and through unexpected people. And let's pray for unexpected things to pop up in different places. Let's be people like this of initiative who go, yeah, let's just have a go. Let's have a go and see what God will do. So, slogan, go, speak. Then we come into verse 23. It says this, Then when he arrived and he witnessed, okay, this is Barnabas, the news, okay, verse 22, the news about them reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem. Okay, they were last to know. And they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. Then when he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. And he left for Tarsus to look for Saul, that's Paul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for an entire year, they met with the church, and they taught considerable numbers, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Wow. This is the third word, plant. Go, speak, plant. Establish something. People have started following Jesus. Now it was time to put roots down to enable um, a, a place, as it were, uh, a pot to grow in, for the church to grow in, to enable growth, to enable strength, to enable health. <coughs> so they send Barnabas to this new situation that's emerging. You ever thought to yourself, why send Barnabas? No, nope, maybe never crossed your mind. Why send Barnabas? Why him? What do we know of Barnabas? He's been mentioned like once before. He was an encourager. In fact, that was the name that was given him by the apostles. You know, you've got, you're called Joseph, but you know what we're going to call you? We're going to call you son of encouragement. Because that's what you're like. They renamed him. Son of encouragement. Wouldn't that be a great thing to be known as? Many of you are like that. I can name so many names at Kings, who are just wonderful encouragers. Wonderful encouragers. They send him down to Antioch. He's also a good man, it says here, full of faith and the Holy Spirit. You know, he had this reputation for this, and so they send Barnabas into the situation. Maybe they know that he's going to sort of handle what is this new deal about all these non-Jews now becoming followers of Jesus, and, and maybe they just trust him to handle that situation because of what he's like. He was known for this. 
And I don't know about you, but it does, it makes me ask, actually. It makes me ask, well, what do I want to be known for? What do I want to be known for? What do you want to be known for? What reputation do we want? And I pray, you know, wouldn't it be great to be known like this? A person who's full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit, an encourager. And when he got down there, it says he saw the grace of God. You ever wonder what he saw? What did he see? Well, he saw people starting to follow Jesus. So he saw people whose lives had been going one direction, involved in all sorts of things maybe, making a mess of their life, but actually turned around and finding forgiveness. We've been hearing about the grace of God this morning. You know, Debbie's word, it's all gone. Totally, utterly forgiven. We're saved by grace, not by works. It's not a religion that you have to work your way to God by being good enough. And hopefully, you, or you tip the scales, and eventually one day maybe they tip enough because you're such, you've done well. Jesus has chucked the scales out the window. There are no scales. It's forgiven. And he saw the grace of God in people's lives. People's lives turned around. He saw their relationships maybe as well. Now you've got these Jews and these Gentiles. You've got these diverse communities starting to get formed. People from across different social and cultural divides and ethnic divides who are coming together. And don't I love that about church? I know many are away today, but you know, there's a, if you just here, there's a breadth of generations, of, of cultures, of people, of backgrounds. That's what church is meant to be not segregated into our nice little silos of, well, I like these people and get on with them and things like that. No, no, no. We're meant to be with people who are different. That's why life groups are so important. Being with people, eating together, being together, doing life together, but just not necessarily people that are like us. God wants to do something through that. And these were people who were first called Christians, it says here, in Antioch. They were people who centered their lives around Jesus. They clearly talked about Jesus. Their relationship was with Jesus. They identified with Jesus. They were Christians, Christ people. That's what they became known as in Antioch. They banged on about Jesus a lot, about who Jesus was, what Jesus said. Jesus shaped everything in their lives. N.T. Wright, who's a theologian and historian, um, he's written a superb book, actually, on, the, on Paul. Um, but he says in there, that at, at this time in Antioch, he said, a new kind of family had come into existence. Its focus of identity was Jesus. Its manner of life was shaped by Jesus. Its characteristic mark was believing allegiance to Jesus. And Barnabas saw it, and it put a smile on his face. Well, he says he was glad. It put a smile on his face when he saw it. And then you've got these large numbers of people who are starting to follow Jesus. Bear in mind that they didn't have like Old Testaments lying around. These were non-Jews, and so they wouldn't have gone to the synagogue. So they didn't have a background in the Old Testament. They've started to submit to Jesus as Lord, which is why I think it says here they started preaching Christ as Lord. They told Jesus as Lord. It's not Messiah, it says there. Lord. And they'd have known what a Lord is. Believe me, if you're in the Roman Empire, you know what a Lord is, and it's meant to be Caesar. You're meant to bow the knee to him. 
He's your God. He's the one you worship. He's the one you submit to. He's the one you listen to. He's the one whose words shape your life. And so to make Jesus Lord now, they knew what that meant, Lord. And they didn't have a New Testament. That was being written, as it were, by their very lives. And so they need to be taught. They need, oh, who is this Jesus? We, we, we believe in this. The Holy Spirit has done a work, I mean, in us to, to put our trust in this Jesus, this crucified one, this risen one. But now they needed more. They need to understand more about who Jesus was. And so large numbers are gathering. And no wonder Barnabas, again, his character kind of shines through again here. Maybe he just felt out of his depth a little bit. Maybe he just felt, what do I do with all these people? They're saying they believe in Jesus and they're following him and they want to know more about him. What do I do? Well, he knew he needed help. He couldn't plant alone. And I love this again. Yeah, Barnabas' character here. He's not after the limelight. He's not after, right, I, Barnabas, am the leader who have come from Jerusalem and ye all listen carefully to me now because I will now lead you into the promised land. Barnabas doesn't do that. He thinks, you know what, I don't think I've got the gift for this. I think I need someone else to help. I think this beautiful humility shines through. This need for one another shines through. And so he goes out of his way to get Paul and a significant distance out of his way. You know, he doesn't send a WhatsApp message or a text or even a phone call. Say, hey, Paul, can you come? I was going to say he gets on his bike, but he didn't get on his bike. <laughs> he walked, probably, or maybe a donkey. 147 miles, north, left, west, from where he was in Antioch, on dangerous roads. Yeah, you know, fair enough. Roman, you know, what did they do? Well, actually, they did make roads and traveling safer. Um, but still, dangerous roads. And so he goes 147 miles. That's, according to Google, a 45-hour walk. And so how many days is that going to be? That's seriously out of his way, isn't it? To go and find Paul, who's been in Tarsus for eight or nine years. I mean, how does he even know he's still there? Eight or nine years have gone by. He couldn't go on Facebook and check his location or whatever. Has he updated his Instas recently? He goes out of his way. And again, his character shines through here. To spot something, do you know what? We need him in this situation. And that's the kind of culture we want, isn't it? In fact, it's, I think it's the kind of culture we have at Kings. That people spot others and they go, do you know what? I think we need that person or that person's really gifted at this. I want to help lift them up and promote them, as it were, and bring them into a situation. And it doesn't have to be on this scale of going 147 miles of, you know, north or whatever and bringing someone in. It can be actually in our life group. We love what that person's like over there. We want to bring that person into our life group for a bit just to kind of encourage us this week. We want to hear from them. And we want to lift one another up like that and encourage one another's gifting and recognize it in other people, don't we? Yeah. I think that's what we want. That's what we do. Let's continue to do that. He goes out of his way. And together, as team, they give themselves to establishing these foundations in the local church. You know, Jesus said, go and make disciples. Doing what? What's the first thing Jesus says? Go and make disciples. Teaching. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. Teaching. Oh, okay. So what do they do? Well, they do what Jesus says. They go and make disciples, teaching them. They spent a year, it says here, teaching them. They gathered with them, 
taught them about Jesus? Wouldn't you love to have been a fly on the wall, kind of, what was that year program, as it were, for teaching that, that Paul and Barnabas, as they taught the church together? Well, I think we've got a clue from the letters that Paul writes, actually. I think we've got a clue there of the kind of the things that Paul unpacks in Romans and Ephesians and Colossians and these sorts of things were very likely what he was teaching and they were teaching there. Unpacking the Old Testament, Testament story. You know, the meaning of seeing Jesus through the Old Testament. Unpacking things like Isaiah and Psalm 22 and other places that kind of shine out. Isaiah chapter 53 say, hey, this is the promises. These are the promises. And now you're part of that. Now you're part of what God has been doing. And you're bought into that. And they taught the church for a year. They established foundations in the church. And they did it together and they did it in team. We are called to play our part in this now. As a church, here in Norwich, as King's Community Church, we're part of this history now. And we do what they have done. And that's what we do. That's a key part of who we are as a church. As a church that that um, doesn't just gather together, but, but gathers and sends out. It's in our history, serving other churches. That's why the final thing on this is repeat. Go, speak, plant, strengthen, repeat. Do it again, and do it again, and do it again. That's why over the years we've been serving other churches from Dubai, Beijing at one point, God was over there, up in Scotland, Yarmouth, Beckles, Lurstoff now helping bring some strength down there. This is why we do what we do as a church. This is why we're part of what we call an apostolic movement of churches, a family of churches that are genuinely on mission together, that are in deep relationship. That's what we call relational mission. That's the group of churches we're part of. So we're family, we're relationships. They are absolute paramount. But we're on mission together as well. We're going to keep going out. We're going to keep kind of doing what Antioch did because later on in Acts chapter 13, we read that Antioch get to the point of not just receiving people in, Barnabas and Paul came in and it says some prophets came down as well, but they got to the point of maturing themselves. And then Acts chapter 13 says that some teachers and prophets were gathered together with the leadership of the church, so they clearly got something established and planted there. And then God says, go do it again. Send out Barnabas and Paul. And they went out from Antioch, and they start more churches and do more stuff and strengthen existing churches and, and help raise money for the poor and all sorts of stuff like that. And then they come back into Antioch again. Then they report what's happened. Then they go again. This is the pattern for church life. It's not a static gathering of people, but it's a people that are gathered to go. Gather, grow, go. That's the point. And that's what we give ourselves to. And I just want to encourage us, because this is in our, our, our DNA as a church. You know, if you're new to Kings, there's loads more that could be said about this. I'd encourage you, if you want to know more about us in, in terms of the churches we're part of, go on Relational Mission website. There's loads of stuff on there. There are pioneering situations all over the world that we are part of. It's an exciting time. There's loads of opportunities. And we're going to see more people from here. We'll go and serve. Different places, different times, different seasons. Maybe come back again, and maybe go out again. I remember visiting Martin in Morocco one of those years ago. Martin was out there for years, and 
you know, and then back here for a bit, and then maybe out, who knows what the future holds. <laughs> not putting anything on you, mate. But this is what it's meant to be like, isn't it? And, and fair enough, not all of us are going to be called to go in that way, but we all play our part, praying, giving, going. Yeah? Our regular giving as a local church enables our mission to the nations. Do we know that? Every penny, it enables, it releases people to go and serve. That's why we give. We give into the local church to do what God's called us to here, but also beyond as well. So I just want to encourage us with this slogan. Go, speak, plant, repeat. Go, speak, plant, repeat. That's what we're called to together as a church. Let's keep doing it. Let's keep giving ourselves to it, whether it's multiplying life groups, multiplying locations, planting churches, sending people out to strengthen churches, whatever it might be. And let's just encourage, I just encourage us in our life groups this week, if you're in a life group, to maybe spend time thinking about what's our part to play in praying, giving, and going. We've got First Friday prayer coming up. Is that this week? It is, this Friday night. Key time to pray. In fact, I think we're going to have um, Kevin Emma Riley from our friends in Poland are going to be Zooming in with us. They've been working with the churches in Ukraine, so it's going to be a great opportunity to be praying for them, hearing from them. And also we're going to be praying for our life groups. I love our life groups. Life group leaders, well done. Thank you for all you do. And Dave and Linda, thank you for the way that you serve our life groups. It's brilliant. And it's such a massively important part of what we do as a church. So I'd encourage you, continue to go from neighbours to nation. Continue to allow us to grab us and stir us and move us into action and encourage one another with it this week. Anyway, shall we stand? And if the band want to come back,